Now, I reckon, I reckon God's got a really good sense of humour. My heart has been going... And I woke up this morning with a song on my heart. <laughs> that's, that's, uh, that's the spirit of truth over there speaking. So this, um, this song, we just sang it. But all I could remember of the song was immerse me, submerge me. It's about all I could remember. So it was a very short song. <laughs> but the heart was there. And Father knows. And so as I step forward now, a heart going 90 to the dozen, remembering the word peace. <laughs> and then Jay led us into that song. And he just reminded me. You know, I prayed once at the elders we would meet here every now and then in the morning and we were singing a song about his presence. And I said, what, what would it really be like, Lord, if your presence was really here? This can't contain it. And I just felt myself going like this, down, down, down under the beautiful weight of his presence. Not oppressive, but impressive. I couldn't help but feel and sense the power of his love. And that just in that song, immerse me, submerge me in your love, falling back, totally comfortable into his presence. You know, and as we've been hearing, not just in the evenings about Ephesians, but just as the word, this message that Father's declaring to us and speaking to us. You know, I, I, I love the, the intensity that, that Sam brings with the word. And uh, there's an intensity in what he is bringing to us, that, that the acceleration within us continues. You know, there's absolute promise that is contained within his word and the pregnant nature of this promise, the statements that are made to propel us on to the full delivery of birth of this promise of the life within us, it's contained within him, his living word, that's being spoken through, through sometimes faulting, flabbering lips that are trying to communicate something of, a, of an external um, greatness that somehow tries to express something that's touched my heart, trying to communicate that's brought life. I know what it's like to live with chains when I didn't need to. I know what it's like to fight for a freedom, that I've found freedom. Yeah, well, take a look in the mirror, pal, because it's not looking like it. I'm in freedom. I've made it this way. And I'm in Christ. All righty. <laughs> well, there's a freedom that comes like a breath of fresh air and breathes life into us. And a soul that's longing to be close to the God that made him. And the chains that are wrapped around but not padlocked, no longer hold. We heard it this morning. You know, a prison door, a cell door that's wide open and roaming around in a cell, speaking of a freedom. Then why are you in the prison cell, son? Step out. Live. Live in me. 
Stop trying to make it happen. Live in me. The pregnancy of the word that's in explodes when that freedom comes. So much so that somehow I don't know how to, how to contain it or how to handle it. And thankfully, his grace covers to lead into maturity. And his grace covers while I walk into maturity. And this extended to each other. The very same grace that was extended to me. Oh Lord, I hope and pray with every ounce of my being. And that showed you how old I am. With every gram of my being. <laughs> that I would have the grace to extend that same to you. And that vice versa to each other. As he leads us into this maturity and allows that living word to be birthed within us. It's not stillborn. It's birthed to life. I wonder, just speaking of that, I want to read something that I, I saw the other day. Sam spoke of it a while back in a message. And this was beautifully um, placed on, on Facebook. And though it speaks of salvation, it speaks of those who are saved and being saved as we look for that life to come forth, that we're not contained still inside a womb or a cell. In a mother's womb, there were two babies. One asked the other, do you believe in life after delivery? The other replied, well, why, of course. Uh, there has to be something after delivery. Maybe we're here to prepare ourselves for what will be later. Nonsense, said the first. There's no life after delivery. What kind of life would that be? The second said, well, I don't know, but there will be more light than here. Uh, maybe we'll walk with our legs and uh, eat from our mouths. Maybe we'll have other senses that we can't understand now. The first replied, well, that's absurd. Walking's impossible. And eating with our mouths, ridiculous. The umbilical cord supplies nutrition and everything we need, but the umbilical cord is so short, life after delivery will be illogical. <laughs> the second insisted, well, I think there is something, and maybe it's different than it is here. Maybe we won't need this physical cord anymore. The first replied, nonsense. And moreover, if there is life, then why has no one ever come back from there? <laughs> Deliver delivery is the end of life. And in the after delivery, there's nothing but darkness and silence and oblivion. Takes us nowhere. Well, I don't know, said the second. But certainly we'll meet mother and she'll take care of us. The first replied, mother, you actually believe in mother? That's laughable. If mother exists, then where is she now? <laughs> the second said, well, uh, she's all around us. <laughs> we're surrounded by her. We, we're of her. It, it's in her that we live. Without her, this world would not stand and could not exist. The first said, well, I, I don't see her, so it's only logical that she doesn't exist. To which the second replied, sometimes, when you're in silence and you focus and listen, you can perceive her presence. You can hear her voice calling down from above. You might even hear her heartbeat. Let's see if that thing will stop falling over. Let's see what Father's speaking to us tonight, yeah? I wrote this prayer down. And I want to I want to pray it as I've written it. 
because I, I know the power that sits within his word to reveal to us who he is and who we are in him. So our righteous heavenly Father, we give thanks to you for all that you have given to us, your love, your Son, your Holy Spirit, your very self. You care for and provide for us in every possible way. So I ask, Father, that tonight in accordance with your word, that you will give us Holy Spirit in a greater measure tonight to teach us and that we will receive with understanding all that you are saying tonight. We ask this knowing it is your great pleasure to will and to work within us to transform, renew our minds to the mind of Christ and to shape us into the image of your only begotten Son, our Saviour, our Lord, our eldest brother, our King, ready and fit as a pure bride for our coming groom. In his powerful name, Yehoshua Hamashiach, our Lord, our Saviour, the Anointed One. We pray. Amen. This is going to be a little bit awkward. So tonight, I want to start the evening by bringing a point home to us so that if you'll bear with me, if you will, as we go through this, I have a couple of analogies that I hope will, will bring home you know, what, what we're in, who we're in, how we're in him. and some depth to understanding from what we've already heard out of Scripture. We've, we can hear things with our intellect, and I really do pray that though we are not just to walk around like numbskulls, we're not to rely on knowledge from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. We're to receive life from the tree of life. So with that, I pray that you will receive and hear from the Spirit what the Spirit is saying so that you can digest it, wait on him, walk with him, sit with him, and allow him to bring that transformation and bring that understanding. So with that said... Welcome aboard. Air Divine extends a warm welcome aboard Flight 333. On this, the inaugural flight of the new Philip Travel 777-777 Heavenly Liner. And asks that you take a few moments to listen to the safety briefing. In the case of the unexpected turbulence of life throughout this flight, we recommend that you remain seated on the Rock of Ages with the seatbelt of truth <laughs> firmly fastened around you. Should you need to leave your seat, we recommend that you keep the seatbelt of truth firmly fastened and take it with you. The seatbelt remains effective at all times you wear it. Living truth never fails. Failure to be in the truth can lead to severe misalignment of life. In the unlikely event, you will, while wearing the belt of truth, succumb to temptation, you can remove the life jacket of righteousness, which is secured, uh, uh, securely stowed under your seat. We recommend that you also wear this jacket at all times while traversing this life. You'll find it much easier to put on and live in before you encounter the floods. <laughs> which you are designed to remain on top of when in this jacket. You'll find the life jacket of righteousness is not cumbersome, but rather it's comfortable and allows you to navigate normal activities with ease, while even surrounded by others caught in floods of life. The heavenly liner is equip equipped for both Wi-Fi and Bluetooth, in fact all manner of coloured teeth. Air Divine recommends regular use of these devices in communication with other sojourners. 
And we encourage you to take the opportunity to find rest as you continue your journey with other Philip Travel Travellers, whether on board the Heavenly Liner or otherwise engaged. Remember, this is a non-smoking environment and that the main aim of this is not to protect the Heavenly Liner, which will remain the same yesterday, today and forever, <laughs> but rather to protect you, the traveller. Should there, be in, should there be an emergency and your view of the light of life is no longer, no longer remains bright in you, uh, you will find emergency light of life lighting leading you to a safe location. This light will be a light unto your feet and a light unto your path to freedom. Please follow these lights and the onboard cruise instructions whose assignment it is to guide you to find the source of the light of life, firmly and securely placed in you. For confirmation of this, please read, especially the red print, <laughs> of the safety manual for life you received when boarding the heavenly liner. Remember, once aboard, you're predestined for the kingdom of God. Thank you for your attention. <laughs> oh my goodness, there's been a dimming of the light of life. Can I ask now that in accordance with the safety briefing manual, which you've all heard and clearly appreciated, that you'll follow the safety lighting, follow the crew's instructions to a safe location Please, you'll see behind you the lighting that will guide you. If you could make your way, please. I'm sure the, uh, the lighting on the, uh, on the 747 is not quite that colourful, but you can see that as we... Ooh. Okay, Kirk. Um, half left. If I'm all right, I fall over. <laughs> While, uh, while, while walking on the footpath once, I played a very uh, uh, mean trick on someone because there was copper pipes hanging off my van and I just walked up, up to, the, to get into my van and went, ooh, <laughs> and the poor person thought I'd actually bash my head on the pipes, <laughs> which was the whole purpose of doing that before. You know, what could you see when we came in, for those who are listening on the, on the um, recording, We've followed some glow sticks into the auditorium at the rock that was in effectively in pitch darkness. And now the lights have come on. W where are you? You're in the auditorium. What could you see? Limited. The seats that effectively that the lights were glowing around. For those who were cheating and turning on their cell phone lights. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't, wasn't trusting the crew members' instructions, <laughs> but was generating their own light. <laughs> um, you know, so, so coming in following the light that was to lead you to a place of security and to a seat, what can you see now? Pretty much everything. You know what, there, there are things in here that, that you can't see yet, even. If you stretch your imagination, there's boxes of treasure in here that you couldn't see before, but you're here. You can't be any more in the auditorium than you are right now. You're in it. Your limited ability to see what was in the auditorium didn't change how much in the auditorium you are. It just limited your ability to see it. You cannot be any more in him than in him. Something that he revealed to me, showed me, when I was sitting at a, at a cafe at a hotel once. Son, you can't be any more in the hotel than you are. You're in it. You're not half in out. You're in. There are many rooms in here. Do you know there's 
an amazing computer system. There's an amazing photocopier. I've never seen a photocopier. There can't be. Well, it doesn't change the fact that there is one up there. You know? This incredible office with this beautiful view of the harbour. I don't see any water. It doesn't change the fact that there is. So you're, it, you're in the building that has all of this. So as the light comes on, as the light throughout the whole building come on, then so does my perception of what actually is. But it must be revealed to me in order for me to see what I actually am in. And there's going to be a humility to follow the crew members' instructions that will lead you to the right place, not to some other place, <laughs> you know. So let's, let's make our way back into the um, cafeteria. Eh? If, we, um, if we had all the lights that were capable of being on in there on, all the spotlights, every light that was in there, it would be extremely bright. In fact, the the comparison to the light, the glory that's in there, would make this seem dim. And yet this is amazing. Even with my dim eyes, I can see most of the writing. You know? And there's, there's this, this understanding, and I hope and I pray that, that it can be received in the Spirit what was being revealed there. Of your posture, of your position, of your placing, in Christ, when you accept him, when you called him and received him and surrendered your heart to him, even though you may not have full understanding of all the offices that sit up, you're in him. It's a place of security. It's a place of power. It's a place of authority. It's actually a place of dominion that most of us don't grasp. We will want to assert dominion, but we don't assert dominion, we receive dominion. He will assert dominion at the right time. Right now we're to receive that. Where's the kingdom of God? So we've moved from glory, one form of glory, into another form of glory. And yet there's a battle that takes place even in that. And it's the battle of the mind. I, I really believe it's vital that we lay hold of what our Father's bringing to us to pursue him, to ask, to seek, to knock that he'll reveal the truth, not just to, but in, so that, that that walking in this revelation becomes trans... What's the word? Trans... Well, I want to say transformal, but that doesn't sound right. Transformative. Yeah. So it's seen. It's because it's a reality that I'm in. So transformative means something changed. And, you know... Anne and I experienced this even just over the weekend, that when there's a point of um, difference to discuss, <laughs> what, is, what, is what, what is different? Why is there a difference that's happening in this? Because there's a surrendered heart posture. It's not a matter of right or wrong. It's a matter of righteousness that's formed within us. The breastplate of righteousness doesn't come on its own. It comes with the helmet of salvation, the belt of truth, the feet shod with the preparation of the gospel. It comes with the sword of the spirit and the shield of faith. It is Jesus Christ. 
So his righteousness formed within me. Needs that surrendered posture for that righteousness now to be expressed in a transformative manner that now allows righteousness to flow backwards and forward to let truth be established. And God, let God be glorified. And let man's version be proved to be a liar. And God proved to be truth. May live. Trust him. Trust in his word. Trust in the work of the cross. He loves you more than words can, can convey. Trust he will bring sight to birth. Faith. Sight of these promises that we talk of. If you don't have that sight now, trust him. You trusted him in calling on his name. Trust. He loves you this much. It is amazing. His only begotten son. There's, it means there's only one. Adam, the son of God. Handmade, created by God. Jesus, the only begotten son. We all come from the birth line of Adam in the physical. It's why we must first be born of water. To which of the angels did he call his son? None. Why? Because they're not born of water. Then for the, the first Adam, having fell from his his position of connectedness with his father, falling short. That word sin carries with it all the connotations that come with it. If we link to the fact that it's falling short of that connectedness that we're striving for and now tend to try and make our own way to, to make this happen, also fig leaves. Really? Fig leaves? You know what's going to happen when the wind blows? <laughs> okay, come on. You know, you could be thankful there were no dock leaves around. That would have been uncomfortable. <laughs> I will cover you. Don't try and do it yourself. I will cover you. And to show you what this means, there's going to have to now be death. The animal didn't just shed its skin. Symbolizing something else that was going to take place. And as we heard even this morning, from before creation, already in the heart of God, knowing what must, must take place because all of this laid out in the future, will declare, as Ephesians is telling us, the manifold wisdom of God will be spoken out into the heavenly realms and prove the many-faceted nature of God revealed, boom, in us to the glory of God. And we're the recipients of it. Oh, wow. That the second Adam, the only begotten son, not of the same bloodline, but of a bloodline of the order of Melchizedek, from God himself, though made like us, must be able to sin. Otherwise... How can you tempt somebody that can't be tempted? You must overcome, having learnt obedience by the things that he suffered. We heard this morning. These things, what are they doing? They're forming a greater work of glory within us that we're to receive as we stand before him and walk it out now. That when we're faced with the confrontation of life, life is actually birthed not enmity, because it's a matter of righteousness, not right or wrong. That having been born of water, we must now be born again of the Spirit of God. There's a baptism of repentance, there's a baptism of the Spirit of God, which births us and compels us into life, Christ himself. Then why do we stay spiritual Infants. Because the flesh man versus the spirit man, and the flesh man is so hungry, it ate 
from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. All these trees, all of them, all the trees that you can see. In fact, it's a globe, so there's even trees you can't see. So all these trees in the garden, you can freely eat of them. Except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Don't eat from that. The day you do, you'll die. It, the, the scripture that reveals God spoke of two trees, didn't he? What were the two trees? And? So which tree could they have eaten from? I never thought of that before. You could eat avocado. You can eat from the apple tree and the plum tree. You can eat from trees of decision making when you cry out to the Lord, what is this? Will you lead me? Will you teach me? Will you show me what this is? I can eat from the tree of life who brings that life, that information to life in life in me. What is this thing? Three letters. D-N-A. Dinner. Oh, dinner. No. <laughs> what is that? From the tree of life. Let me explain to you how the body is shaped and structured and pulled together. Let me eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Oh, I know what I'll do. I'll take the DNA in you and I'll splice it into, into, in with it something from a tomato. So you'll have this nice glowing skin. Okay, the first round, not so good. Kind of red. <laughs> Maybe we won't do that. Maybe we'll, we'll take some splice from a, a frog or a pig or something like that. That'll be really good. That'll be a clever idea. Why is everything turning to custard? Because I'm eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, from my understanding excluded from the tree of life that brings knowledge, wisdom, alive, surrendered to truth. Don't know how I got there. It was right off my notes. <laughs> but it's a surrendered posture that birthed first of blood, then of the spirit, us, that battle of the mind that goes on that says, I will not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil anymore. I'll eat from the bread of life. I'll drink the blood of life. I'll drink from a wellspring that's now formed in me. And I trust that you'll bring faith and sight to me that I might have this formed in me and walk in it. So when the, the turbulence of life hits, I'm found in life, not buffeted and thrown around. It's okay. Remember how much Father loves you. This much. Yep, this much. You know, something I read the other day, I was toing and froing with um, with Greg, and uh, he sent me some uh, some texts, and we're toing back. It's okay, mate. And one of them was out of John. If you have a look at, um, turn with me to John 2017. I love in our songs and our singing and our worship uh, this evening. Lord, we love to shout your name. Yahweh, Yahweh. Yehovah, Elohim. A whole heap more that I won't even try and pronounce. That describe the character and the nature of who God is. So we love to shout your name, the I am that I am. Jesus' name, Yahushua Hamashiach, the Lord, Saviour, the Anointed One. The name carries so much more than just a way of reference. It's a table. 
Paul. Small. Most of my life I fought against that to make something. I embrace it now. Embrace it. Costello. Middle name's Thomas, right? Twin. Costello. Motto. Don't think more highly of yourself than you ought. Yeah, who wants a motto like that? <laughs> I do. I need it. I need it. My identity is not who I make myself to be. One of the problems in life that we hear so much about and the struggles that our society faces because people talk about self-esteem and kids that are lacking self-esteem. And the terrible decisions that are made. And our family knows it so well. But self-esteem doesn't help you. Your self-worth does. You are worth more than any price that could be paid on earth. Except the blood of Jesus, which gives you a value beyond anything earth could compare. And your esteem comes from that. I'm esteemed in him. He gives me worth. He gives me life. He gives me value. Oh, that our people would hear who we are to him. How valuable we are to him. And then he births us full of his life. I've been bought and paid for, purchased by the blood of the Savior. Eventually I'll get to what I'm trying to say. It's contained in these scriptures in Ephesians. In John 20, 17, when you say, and pray, God, what does that mean to you? I've touched on it once before. As I cried out to him and asked, I, I, I'm not too sure. Do I pray to God? Do I pray to Jesus? Do I pray to the Holy Spirit? There's all sorts of um, theology that then gets thrown at you as about who it is right to pray to. And my goodness, you should never pray to the Holy Spirit. Oh, oops. <laughs> you know it's like actually just park it allow relational connection and allow him to speak to your heart fall back and be immersed submerged in his love and allow him to speak to your heart and he will guide you and I looked and I discovered Lord you walk the earth not just to die on the cross but you walk to be a living example of a person a human being full of the spirit of God being led by the spirit of God in the face of adversity and all the turbulence of life and walk comfortably revealing what the Old Testament scriptures and I'll, I'll, right now I'll make a correction to a statement that I've said some years ago when I gave a message, the, the knowledge or understanding of God as Father was clearly outlined in the Old Testament. So it wasn't a new concept that Jesus brought when he said, they said, teach us how to pray, and he starts with our Father. It was a concept that they should have known already from the law, from the prophets, and from the Psalms. All these speak of me, Jesus says. So he brought to life a person birthed on earth, walking comfortably in the turmoil of life in an intimate relationship with God, knowing him as Father. And I love this in, in um, John twenty seventeen where Jesus says to Mary, don't hold on to me. 
for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. What has he just revealed? What has he just punched home in the Spirit? Who is God to you? Someone, some, somewhere in outer space, God has prepared a place for those who trust him and obey. Or is there a father that is so intimately involved with you that he's right here, right now? Paul knew the significance of this understanding of, of the father. That when he spoke in Ephesians, and I've managed to jumble up all my notes here, so we'll see how we go. He knew the significance of, of the nature of Father. So when he spoke of the adoption process that we have been adopted into, he took some symbolism that was common knowledge to them, but it is not common knowledge to us now. Not what he was saying. We will hear with our framework, with our seated in the auditorium, with the light of glow sticks. That's how we will receive it, until he's revealing to us by the Spirit that the lights come on to a greater level of information. You know, when... Uh, Jesus gives, it gives a parable of the sower sowing out the seeds. And then the um, disciples come to him and say, You ask him. Oh, you ask him. I don't want to ask him. Last time I asked him, he told us off. <laughs> Ooh, what? <laughs> um, can you explain the sowing of the seeds, please? Yeah. You see, the sowing went out. Who received the seeds? Does anyone know you know the scripture I'm talking about? Who received the seeds? There are two groups. Both groups received. The seeds went out. The group that fell on rocky soil and um, hard on the footpath, they received but without understanding. Those who received and grew a crop 160, 30-fold received with understanding. Not understanding that comes from the tree of knowledge of good and evil and I will make this work, but received with understanding birthed by the Holy Spirit who brings to us understanding, wisdom and knowledge from the heavenly realm completes a work within us that produces a crop of righteousness in the way that I interact with people, in the way that I demonstrate my life in him, the way that I'm able to share that with others is a crop of righteousness that's formed not of my own works, but revealed by the Father and by the power of the Holy Spirit within me, that my mind no longer racing, trying to make Christianity work, sits at peace while Christianity is at work within me. So when he, he speaks of the, of the adoption, and I, I want to just go back to this because we touched on it and, and the others have done such a wonderful um, presentation of this. I just want to touch on a deeper understanding so that we can grasp it because the depth of grasping this initial statement within the beginning of Ephesians compels it, sort of launches and pushes us through the rest of the book. In fact, through the rest of the books. 66 books penned by 40 different writers with one author, the Spirit of God. And so that same truth that sits within sits right through it. But if we, if we come realize who we're in, then we're able to receive greater light and insight that, 
is birthed within from the posture of understanding what has taken place. So Paul speaks of the adoption process. He talks of, uh, and I, forgive me, I'll get this pronunciation wrong, but it's, it's, you're dealing, it's a Roman issue. It's not a Hebrew issue. But he's using something that was common knowledge to them to help them understand. There's this, um, it's called Patria Potestas, which is the father. The father has, in the very early stages of this, the father had all authority over the family. Life or death sat in his choice. Kind of probably found to be somewhat harsh as time went along, so they might have moderated that a little bit. But effectively, all authority sat with the father. So long as the father is alive, father has all authority. In the adoption process, there's the father. There are two fathers. There, there, there were multiple adoption practices, but predominantly this is what he was revealing to, uh, revealing in the statement. And there's the adoptee, the son, and generally it's an adult son that is being adopted, not a child. And if I adopted um, a Chris, then I adopt Chris Reddington and all his family. I don't just get Chris. I get all his children. To get Chris and adopt him, I have to deal with Chris's father. Remember, the father, the Patria Potestas, has all authority. Chris can't do anything without the authority of his father. There's a process called the Mancipato which was through this adoption process, it's sort of like a ritual that they would go through and they have a little set of scales. And they would do this little ritual three times. They set the scales, weigh out the price for the adoption, and the, the father would take it back. Oh, we'll do it again, and the father would take it back. We'll do a third time, the father didn't take it back. They had the third process, the vindicatio which is the sealing, they would then go to the magistrate and before seven witnesses. You know, there were so many things that were just speaking to me that out of this that I, I, I couldn't think, Lord, this can't be this. This is a Roman practice. It's not a Hebrew practice. Why do I see that there were seven witnesses and Scripture talks of the seven spirits of God? There's one Holy Spirit. He's talking about the nature and character of God. There's a scripture, I meant to look it up, but I forgot, and it talks about the Spirit of God. I think it's in Isaiah, but it, when I count them off, there's six. And I'm going, well, okay, well, that didn't work. Revelation, the book of Revelation, talks about the Spirit of Revelation, the seventh Spirit. It's the same Spirit, isn't it? There aren't seven Holy Spirits. It's the Spirit of God. Before, before the magistrate, Seven witnesses. Who's the witness in this trans, this adoption process if it's not the Holy Spirit who gives witness to what has taken place? In the Mancipatio or the Vindicatio, it's this legal sealing, this document that's now sealed between the seven witnesses so that if something happens later on and there's some argument, you can go back to the court and the witnesses say, no, this is real and this happened. In the legal documents, there's a seal that goes on. Where I work, when you apply for registration, having met all the requirements for registration, having paid the fee, the board sits and agrees, yes, this is true, and right, this person is now a registered certifying plumber. Goes through the process, there's a document, a certificate, and there's the plumber's seal is embossed, embedded into the document and it's sealed. Once registered, you are registered for life. doesn't matter if you stop practicing as a plumber, gas for the drain line, whatever, you are registered for life. In this vindicatio process, once it is agreed, the price has been paid, it's sealed before the magistrate, Chris is no longer Chris Reddington. 
he is now Chris Costello. All ties, all connection, all debts have been paid and broken, cut away. He is no longer recognised as a Reddington. There are two fathers. Jesus chastised the Pharisees. Who are you? Who do you think you are, Jesus? You think you're greater than Abraham? I am. <laughs> um, your father is the father of lies. What did we have when God gave us life in the garden? What did he say to Adam? Go and take of the earth dominion. What did they give over when they chose to eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil? Dominion of what? The earth is the Lord's and all that dwells in it. We gave over dominion of this. I pray that we can grab this. It costs so much. But fathers, I will pay it. It was birthed in me from before creation. I know what I'm doing. And I will buy you back. I gave birth to you. I made you. And I will pay for you and buy you back from your father, the father of lies. And you are in my family and I am your father. Nothing that his father can say can change that Chris is now Chris Costello. Sealed with the Holy Spirit, God's deposit of ownership on me so that I can come into the life that he now has for me and dominion is given over to God. This is a wrestling that we face in our minds. But if we don't understand this, the fullness of this adoption, how much I'm in the auditorium, I couldn't be any more in that auditorium. You can't be any more in him. What is different is how much of him is in you. That's the transformation, the metamorphosis of the mind that's transforming us into the life and the, that I might say I have the mind of Christ. So my life now reflects that. I will just jump straight, sorry, we'll jump straight into Ephesians 2, 6, uh, 11 to 16. Can you see why, you know, Sam uses these words like pregnant? And that, that the birthing of this within us, when it's given birth to full life, and we lay hold of this, this understanding that he's bringing to us, that it can transform the way I receive from him. I really do pray that we can lay hold of this. Um, Kirk, can you um, grab that, that stuff? And Chris, could you go and give Kirk a hand, please? Therefore remember that formerly you who were Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision which is done in the body by human hands. Remember, and this is Paul speaking to the Ephesians, and there's some of the early manuscripts leave out the word Ephesians, so he's speaking to the saints, to the faithful. You're a saint? You're faithful to him? He's speaking to you. He's not speaking to Hebrews, he's speaking to us. You may just want to wait back there for a bit, mate. Otherwise, you're going to have to leave it holding it forever. Um, remember that at that time, 
you were separated from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace. Christ is our peace. When we're in the midst of strife, looking for things that we just can't find when we need them, and stressed to the max, <laughs> he comes and we find he is our peace and things get set in order. It was a living example of something that happened today. For he himself is a peace who made the two groups one. What were they? They were at enmity. They were at war against each other. But he's made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by setting aside in his flesh the law and its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, one new man thus making peace and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. The circumcision was part of a sign of a contract, of a covenant. The difference between the covenant and the contract is the shedding of blood. Not many men racing up in adulthood say, yes, to that one. Abraham was. That those who have the same faith of Abraham are the sons of God. The sons of the promise. And it was in that that there was the shedding of the blood. But we're not talking about a physical circumcision of the flesh done by, the, by human hands, but rather we're talking about the circumcision of the heart that's done by the Holy Spirit that brings a transformation life with us by faith. And the shedding of the blood seals the covenant. And he showed me this. It's in worship one day. I saw it so clear. And this I pray. I pray that, ask Father, show me this as you show, as we're speaking of the bride and who this is, show me this oneness. Oneness is not something that we make happen. It's not something that we organize. It's not a bunch of activities where we're saying and doing the same thing. It's not a, 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 a gathering where we are all singing from the same hymn sheet. That's conformity. That may be achieving some goal or task oriented here. <laughs> Oneness is not a something we create, it's a someone we come into. He showed me in a vision while I was worshipping. Two groups. One group, all Christians, all in the auditorium, busy, 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 busy doing Christian stuff with Christ standing, looking, going. Not what I'm after. I'm knocking on the door. You're very active. You're doing a lot of good works. Let me in. The other group, doing the same stuff. Hmm. Jesus looking. The people looking to him. And I was in that group. And then suddenly I was taken up in my spirit man and thought, whoa. And the activity I was involved in, the light shone on me, as it were. And I was lifted up my spirit man and then I was just drawn towards him. And forgive me, Mel, for this. I looked and saw, what? And then another rose up, and it was Mel. And she rose up, 
And so I went towards him. I could see his spirit woman coming. And I, and I sort of lost sight of, of Mal, but I just went straight in. And Christ was there sort of as a head. And it sounds a bit weird, but it was just like his body, but it was just his head. And I came in, and I was in him. And I it was like, it's not me. We are his body, with Christ as the head, one new man, that those who come in to him, no longer Jew, no longer Greek, no longer Gentile, no longer Scythian or barbarian, you're starting to use words that, that carried some sort of repugnant meaning with them that would repel you if you were not in him. I don't think so, Tim. I do think so. I love, I love, I love. <sighs> Drawn into him. Then Mel came in. No longer male, no longer female. One new man. With Christ as the head. Held together with the ligaments. And the sinews. The Spirit of God that's leading love flow through his body. That we were now able to turn around and look back and shine from that place of oneness and reveal that to the others so that others were being caught up and, and drawn into Christ. And suddenly, oneness was happening. Perfectly coordinated. Hands clasped together. No one arguing, wondering why the little finger was less important than the eyes. It's one body. Perfectly moving as Christ needs it to. To serve and to love. And so as I saw that, a greater work was being done within me, recognizing, oh my goodness, when I looked and saw and he said, if you knew who that woman is, you wouldn't even let her in the room. I'm in the auditorium. Why would I have that same thinking? I'm in the auditorium with other Christians. In Christ. But what I needed was that surrendered posture to realize that I don't need to judge. I need love. I need more of Christ in me. And the more of Christ that's in me, the more that I'm embedded in Him. No longer jostled and, and thrown around. But I'm completely, if you can see it, with the, the glasses sunk to the bottom of the bowl, completely immersed and completely embedded in him, that it's lost sight of me and it's full sight of him. Thanks, guys. Full sight of him, not me. This is the transformation of the mind while I'm wrestling to lay hold of it and work it out myself, I'm still jostling around in the auditorium. I'm sorry, I haven't got anywhere near my notes. The purpose of this, Ephesians 4, 14 to 15, outworking within us. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves blown here and there by every wind of teaching it and by the cunning and craftiness of people by their deceitful scheming, instead speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become the very, in every respect, the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. Pride is the enemy of the true transformation work, and true humility leads to the godly repentance that leads us to the gateway to the kingdom of God.
Amen. Well, I'm not too sure how my questions are going to work now. I don't know where I went with all of that. <laughs> but Father, I pray that it's more than just words and dialogue. I pray, Father, that it's your spirit that's speaking, this very work that you're revealing to us and to me, Lord, that is alive, a living word, empowering a transformed life that brings glory to you and empowers us to be lifted above the turbulence and the storms of life, that we walk in the same likeness, in the same manner, in the same life as our eldest brother, our King, our Lord. Reveal to us your love and your nature, Father, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Just, just don't, don't think, don't think that, don't think that you have to sit now and deal with the questions. It's quarter two. Forgive me. That's been burning within me for a long time.